Today's guest is Darlene Holly. She is a recovering procrastinator and loves to teach others on how to take steps every day to reach their goals. She is a speaker, a podcast host, personal branding, an online business coach that shows ambition and heart-centered coaching. Darlene has such genuinity in our conversations. We talk about the cure on comparisonitis, amongst other things. Please give a warm welcome to ever-blessed Darlene Holly. I would like to apologize in advance for the muddy recording and microphone difficulties. Hey. Hi. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you today? I'm good. Um, I wanted to thank you first off, Darlene. In your bio, you you are a, a teen mom. So I was a teen mom. I got pregnant at 17. So my son is like 25 right now. And my youngest is nine. So oh, yeah. yeah, very similar mm-hmm. um, paths in that. Yeah, I was a, a single teen mom. I was pregnant my senior year and then had him right out a couple months after I graduated. And then he just turned 26. So we were only a smidgen <laughs> apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I will never forget the day that uh, I think he was about three months old and I had, I had to my mother didn't show up for my graduation. So I, they called my name and I had to walk across the stage with some stranger holding my child oh just my to get my diploma. Um, and I was a little, I was a little flustered as to where's my mother at? I am the only child. She shouldn't be, there shouldn't be any other place other than here for her only <laughs> child. But at, really the, at that point, you should have just walked with them. <laughs> if they probably yeah. Didn't <laughs> yeah, but they kept saying, uh, you can't go up there with the child. I think at the time, the school was very strict with a lot of things. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, but no, it, it, there was just a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting how you think to yourself at that time, like, I can't make it. I'm not going to make it. There's nobody here. There's no supportive system. There's no way that I can do this. I have no manual. There's no such thing as a manual. You wish there was like magic book or, or a wand to get you kind of out of the, out of that situation. But here I am, you know, he's going to be 26 next year. I'm like, here I am. I cannot believe I actually survived all of this. I feel like evil can evil in my life sometimes, you know? It's amazing when we, when we push through and we actually go through it, we're like, oh, we did it. We nailed it. Like I always joke. I'm like, he raised me just as much as I raised him. Mm-hmm. And he's, yeah, I'm the person I am today because of him. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. And I do, I say the same thing too, with my son. I said, you were the one actually saved me from myself. I love talking to other people who have a journey. Like it's never, it's never the end. It's, it's this is only like the, the end of a, you know, the beginning of an end or end of a beginning in everyone's life. And I love, that's probably one of the reasons why I started doing the podcasting is like, I enjoyed listening to other people's journeys because this is what the kind of inspiration we need nowadays. Enough of this um, fake um, influencers and nobody wants to see all that fake stuff. We need reality. We need to be woke, so say. Yeah. And I loved, you know, just your background, you know, you've gone through barrage of things and it's just, I just, I want to hear more about you as well. I mean, I don't like to be this one. I am just like completely amazed just to talk to another beautiful person who is going through the same, who's going through a similar journey as uh, myself. 
And I wanted to get to know you more as well as the listeners would like to know exactly who is Darlene Hawley. Exactly. Tell me a bit about where you grew up and what was important to you back then. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada, which most people know is Sin City or what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, but Mm -hmm. that's not the Vegas that I know or the Vegas that I call home. It's really just like everybody else's city. Um, It's just a normal family growing up in like, you know, the suburbs of, of Vegas. And um, I think my story really begins with um, being, I was a teen mom. So my senior year in high school, I was pregnant. I had my son a few months after that. Um, and it really put me on a path to like grow up really quickly, right? Like there's, there's nothing that grows you up any quicker than all of a sudden becoming a mom, <laughs> no matter what age I think you are. Cause I, I'm a mom of four. And I think every time that I've um, had one of my amazing children, like I learned something new, I grow as a person, it, you know, stretches me outside of my comfort zone and really helps us become who we are meant to be. And I will definitely say that it was, it's, it was a lot easier when I had my fourth kid, (laughs) when I was in my thirties, mid thirties, than it was when I was 18, having my oldest son. But I think a lot of what I was doing um, in my younger days was just a lot of soul searching, trying to figure out who the heck I am, what I wanted to do with my life. Um, Especially as a teenager, I remember being very worried (laughs) about what everybody else was doing or what they were saying or what they were thinking or how they were dressing or what was in. And I was, I worked so hard to try to conform to society and to blend in and to not stand out. And it's funny because now years later, like that's the one thing that I try to do more than anything is stand out, especially as an entrepreneur. But I think back in those days, it was really just about trying to figure out who the heck I was and what I wanted to do with my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of uh, uncertainty when it comes to, especially when at a young age, you, you had already had these goals and all the things that we, we anticipated as we go from our elementary and our, um, you know, primary and elementary school education, our thoughts are like, we're going to be this, I'm going to be this. And, you know, this is how I'm going to set it up. And some people just say, you know, I'm just going to, Uh, enjoy life after high school, maybe have a break in between, go to college or not go to college. But when life throws you that curveball, it's like, you know, at that moment, um, how strong you are. It's almost like a make it or break it situation, especially when you don't have um, the proper guidance or parents that are in your life or a support system. So it's, um, and I, I also read that I'm not, I don't know if it's a sensitive subject, but your mother had passed away and, and, um, and I am s- sorry to hear about that passing because I don't, um, I don't wish that on anybody, especially, um, even though my mother, I just mentioned my mother, I, we don't have a really good relationship, but I wouldn't wish that on her, even though. Yeah. Thank Um, thank you. You're welcome. It's definitely a subject that it's been 20 years, which kind of blows my mind like her her anniversary of her death was on July 4th so this past summer oh my gosh it's crazy how it's been 20 years because it feels like it was yesterday and so Mm -hmm. many and like I always think back to like she's she's missed so much of my life growing up 
Um, she passed away when I was 22. And at the time I had just my oldest son who she was super active in um, my life and helping me raise him. Thank goodness. Like I did have um, really amazing support from my mom and my grandparent and my grandparents, which was such a blessing. Yeah. But after losing her, like that was definitely a low point for you, like a couple of years of grief and just trying to like manage being a mom. Um, I, I used to work in retail management and at the time I was working 60 plus hours a week, trying to raise my son, trying to balance all these different things. And I knew during that time, especially when I was in that grieving process, I was, I kept having this like message come back to me that there's gotta be something more out there. Mm-hmm. Um, life is, and I, and then I kind of transitioned to like, life is so short. I learned so quickly how quickly things can change because you don't mm-hmm. think, especially when you're a teenager, young adult, like you think you have so much time and you can have like, you can mess, um, mess things up and you can fail and you can succeed and you can try again and continue to do all these things. But it was like a, a screeching halt, I guess is the best way to say it when I lost her because it was so instant and there was no warning. I mean, she was in a car accident. So, mm-hmm. um, it was just a phone call. Like you have to get to the hospital. Um, your son's there. Cause my oldest son was in the car with her and yeah. he was five years old at the time. And, um, nobody knew where my mom was. And I remember like going through, um, I happened to be up in the Bay area for work and I'm trying to get on a plane, trying to get back down to Vegas, um, where they were and knowing that my son was at the hospital, but nobody knew where my mom was. And later I find out, um, actually on the plane, as I was getting, um, boarding the plane that, um, she had passed away and that's why I couldn't find her and nobody knew what hospital to go to or where to go. Right. Right. such, such a, like, yeah, like you said, you, you wouldn't wish this upon anybody because mm-hmm. it's such a, a hard thing to, it's hard to lose somebody I, when you are prepared for it. Cause you know, it's coming and it's even harder. I think when you're like, you're, you haven't had even a moment to consider it or think about it because I was so young still, mm-hmm. I was living my life. I was doing my stuff. I was um, working my way up in retail management at the time I had, um, just gotten promoted. I had worked up from pregnant cashier cause I had started there right after I graduated high school. Um, so, um, and I had my son in November, so it had been like four or five months. And so pregnant cashier all the way to, um, a senior supervisor, um, inside of retail management. And then they promoted me to the Bay area to go become an operations manager with inside the company. And I was doing like, things were happening quickly. I was like, Oh, I'm making great money. Um, I didn't even know if that was possible. Cause like we were starting to share, I got pregnant my senior year in high school. My goal was to become a marine, a marine biologist mm-hmm. and move to San Diego and swim with Shamu. Like that was like the vision and the goal and who knows what would have happened. Um, I probably would have went to San Diego. Who knows if I would have ever swam with Shamu. I don't actually want to do that anymore, which is a whole different story. Um, (laughs) That was like the path that I thought I was on. And instead Mm -hmm. got into retail management. I did really well with it. I moved myself up really quickly with inside the company and I did HR training development and for a long time, but I kept having that desire. Like I started to share earlier that I was working 60 plus hours a week. I was exhausted. I was overwhelmed. And, um, as a single, as a single mom and a very young single mom, I was, I had a lot of guilt because when I was at work, I was worried about my son and I wanted to be home with him 
and he was young. And luckily I had support systems in my family with my mom and my grandparents helping, but I was missing stuff. Like they would tell me like, oh my gosh, he did this. Or, you know, he just had the biggest smile or he took five steps and did all these things. And I had like that guilt because I was at work. And then when I was at home with him, because my job was so demanding and I had so much going on that I had to make sure um, everything was going at all times, whether I was there or not. Like I had like the, the guilt that I was at home when I felt like I needed to be at the store because things were, you know, needed to be done. And so mm-hmm. I just had that like burning desire, even before I lost my mom, I remember doing a lot of searching. Like, I feel like I need to switch careers, but I didn't know what that could look like. I'm like, I'm making good money and I'm in retail management. And it, I don't know what that would look like if I went somewhere else. Right. Yeah. I mean, retail is just pretty much as is has its own type of box like how do you expand from that exactly exactly um and thank you for sharing that I know that was really 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 hard um I I feel I feel so much love and and I think thank you for sharing that with me and the listeners um because there's just so many things like especially when you are like on this go you're on this drive and all of a sudden, someone decides to throw a, like a wrench in your sprocket, and you don't even have a moment to even think of the next move. Like you're just stuck in that moment, but you you can't. You know, there's some instances where you can't do that. You have to keep going, but there's no time to grieve. There's no time to think. There's no time to reroute your whole um, your life. And um, yeah, that's. And, and yeah, and I, I apologize if, if I um, veered off on the, the types of questions that you wanted to be asked at the thing. So if I, if I was in any way disrespectful, I apologize because yeah, you, you're totally fine. Okay. <laughs> because yeah, um, I just, yeah, I've been crying all day. Like doing all my podcasts, I've been, I've been stifling and having ugly cries in my podcast I have to bleep them out because it's been really really rough for me um but thank you for sharing it um I know that there is a couple of questions that I also wanted to hit on and um what happened next after you've you've discovered that retail industry um wasn't your cup of tea and you wanted to expand into other opportunities what was your next step Yeah, such a great question. Uh, I don't think that I wish I could say like, right, like I was easily propelled from there to like start a new career. It still took me a little bit of time. Um, I remember coming home from work and um, looking at job posting, seeing what else is out there. I remember putting together a resume and I put a resume up on monster.com. I don't even know if monster.com is even a thing anymore. But um, I put a resume out there and I was kind of like, I'm just going to put it up here and see who reaches out. Cause I didn't really know. I knew I wanted something different, but I didn't actually know what that looked like. Right. Like I just, I knew that there was something more out there. And I remember getting um, somebody, somebody reached out to me from um, a business coaching franchise. And I was like, what the heck is a business coaching franchise? I was like, yeah, sure. I'll entertain that. I'll entertain the conversation. I'm like, it'll be really good for me to practice interviewing. Cause it's, I, was used to interviewing other people and retail management, especially with like in my position, I did all the HR and training and hiring and firing and all that fun stuff. So I was like, Oh, it'll be, it'll be good practice. I'll just do this interview and see what happens. And so this is the very first interview that I did. 
And as I was on the phone call um, with the lady that I was interviewing with, I was completely taken back. I was like, oh my gosh, everything that you're saying sounds like a in perfect alignment with who I am and kind of how I've led my life. Because if I looked back at my career in retail, my favorite part of it was the, um, the coaching, helping my employees figure out what they wanted to do with inside the organization, helping them create action plans to get promoted or to work their way up or to find a job inside of another company sometimes. And then when I look back at like high school and junior high, I was always that friend that everybody came to for advice. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've been coaching this whole entire time but I had no context for it. I didn't have a word for what that was because I didn't know what coaching was. And still, even around that time, most people didn't know what a coach was. Like they knew what a sports coach was, but they didn't really know what like a business coach was or life coaching wasn't really, it was starting to be a thing, but it wasn't something that was part of our everyday vocabulary like it is now. And so during that interview process, I was like, yep, this is for me. I was like, I totally want to buy a franchise and become a business coach. It was totally out of left field, not what I was looking for whatsoever, but I ended up um, deciding to go for it. And I got trained as a business coach, which was 15 years ago, which is a little crazy to think about that it's been 15 years since I've been doing this. But it totally lights me up. I get every single day, I get to work with my clients to help support them and figuring out what they want to do with their business, what their passion is, help them figure out like the foundational pieces, whether it's figuring out who their ideal clients are, what their messaging is going to look like, what their voice is going to sound like, especially in the online space to make sure that they do stand out from other people, helping them with their offers, their marketing, visibility, speaking up and um, influencing other people. And then also helping with like figuring out how to close sales because that's the hardest part of being an entrepreneur, right? Is getting somebody to go from prospect to actual paying client who wants to work with you and, uh, and pays you well to do that. So um, it's, been a, it's been a crazy journey, but I just remember going through that process and really finding myself during that journey and not even knowing what I, what it was going to look like when I came through it, mm-hmm. giving me a chance just to like really, really tap into my passion and the work that I really feel like I'm meant to do here on this earth. And I get to do that every day. That's awesome. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Now in that, in that um, explanation, is there key components, like what key components of a profitable online business? attract dream clients? Is that some of the things that you just pinpointed or is there some additional things that you'd like to share? Uh, I I mentioned most of them, but the way that I teach clients is there's three main pillars, basically components of a profitable business. And that's having a strong foundation for your business. You need to really figure out like who you're working with, why you're working with them, what their desires are, what their passions are which is part of like the foundational piece. And then it goes into the visibility and finding out what works for you. And I think it's so different for each of us. Um, When I, a, a lot of my clients, when I'm working with them, they're like, well, I've been trying all these different marketing tactics and I see other people that are doing, you know, they're, they're creating YouTube videos or they're on podcasts or they're blogging or they're speaking on stages and they're doing all these different things. And they try to emulate what they see other people do. And it doesn't always jive with who they are as people. Sometimes some of us love to do audio. And so podcasting is great. Some people don't like video. So if you don't like video, don't do YouTube. Um, But find what feels really easy to you and actually lights you up and makes you excited to want to show up and do the work that you're doing in the world. It doesn't have to, it's not easy to grow a business, but you can do it 
in an easy way that feels simplified and um, unique to you. So there's, um, that's like the second piece to it. And then the third component is the sales strategy. And that is making sure that you have a sales system in place so that you can, like I shared a second ago, taking them from prospect to paying client, but also making sure you know how to have conversations with people. How do you have hard conversations? How do you overcome objectives? If you're on the phone with somebody who's interested in working with you, there's always objectives, right? But how do we um, ask the right questions and really get to know the people that we're talking to so that we can overcome those objectives and help them figure out if we're the right solution to their problem. And then I also work with my clients to make sure we have strong um, SOPs in place. So standard operating platform to make sure that you have systems that really work for your business. So you can kind of put some of those pieces on autopilot and you don't have to guess or reinvent the wheel every single time that you show up to a conversation. Yeah. Which is, I think I am definitely needing an SOP. (laughs) With all the things that I've been doing, it's just feels like, it is time consuming um, to be constantly just updating and just following through with something that is already automated. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So, and many people, you, uh, I believe you said many, pe- many people struggle with com- comparisonitis. At first I thought you typed that as an error, <laughs> but uh, comparisonitis, uh, how have you been able to deal with it? Yeah. Comparisonitis is alive and a real thing, right? There is something about the human nature that we are constantly watching what other people are doing and we're comparing ourselves, um, questioning ourselves, whether we're worthy or if we're not worthy to be in the room or to speak to the conversation. And it's one of the the areas that I struggled. I know a lot with, I, when I started my business, I was really focused on watching what other people, other people were doing that were in my industry. So I, I trained with through a franchise. And so there was a lot of other business coach franchises that I was a part of, and I was watching what they were doing really closely. And I was wearing business suits and I was carrying a briefcase and I had my business cards and my leather like notebook. And I was going into networking events and building great relationships and connecting with people. But I never felt like I was building like the deep connections that were really going to further my my business and our relationship to get to know each other better so that they would refer business over or even if they were a possible prospect. Um, I like to joke that I felt like a little girl playing dress up in her mom's closet because that's what I felt like. I just felt like I was wearing a mask almost. I was pretending to be somebody that I wasn't. And about two years into my business, I had this aha moment where um, I kind of just broke down and I knew that I needed to change something. I was like, I either need to find a different way to show up, or I need to maybe even look at other opportunities. I had considered walking away and, you know, doing different types of work or figuring out what that was going to look like because I was getting clients, but it was really inconsistent and sporadic. And it was, it was like the ebb and flow was really like, that was too much (laughs) at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I went through a journey and really figured out who the heck I was, what I wanted to do, who I wanted to work with. And I had never really dug deep for myself in that area. I, when I got trained as a business coach, I, I kind of left with the mindset I could work with every single type of business owner out there, which I could, but it was really hard to get people to understand who I was and what I did because I wasn't really niche specific. Um, I talked very broad in my messaging and in my marketing. And it was during that two year point when I really dug deep and figured out who I wanted to work with. And I identified exactly who I wanted to work with, the types of people, um, what industries they were in, 
what problems they really had and connected those dots back to why I was the solution to help them solve those problems. And I showed back up to networking events and I let people see the real me. I was no longer playing dress up. I was wearing clothes that felt comfortable for me, you know, dresses and um, different things like that, just which felt more like me versus that business suit. And that's when I was really able to start connecting with um, deeper relationships for strategic alliance partners. That's when all of a sudden people were like, oh, like I need to introduce you to somebody. Let me introduce you to this person. I gave them clearer language. They knew exactly what I was looking for. And it helped my business take off from there because when I got clear, the people around me got clearer as well. Mm -hmm. So I always like to ask like, where are you playing dress up in your business and how you're showing up and how can you switch that around to let people see you for the true you that you really are? Because that's what people want to connect with. People don't want to connect with somebody that they don't relate with. That's not showing up as their self, right? We make friends and we build that no like, and trust factor when we show up and we share stories and we share our skill sets and our experiences and we let people really see us for who we truly are. So it's important that we just take the time to really let people see us. And I, and I think I shared at the beginning of our interview that in high school, I tried really hard to fit in, right? (laughs) We all Mm -hmm. try to like blend in and not um, really have anybody pay much attention to us. And I, And I think I realized during that um, two years in my business point as well, that was when I had like that aha moment. Like I don't need to blend in anymore. I had worked so hard to blend in. I almost had to like retrain myself to let people see me for who I truly am and not who I thought they wanted me to be. And that was like light bulb moment for me. Uh, I'm really enjoying this conversation because you you have such an enrichment of knowledge and I'm glad that the listeners are able to listen to your background on exactly how to, like you said, deepen relationships with the audience, uh, you know, don't play dress up anymore, you know, feel more comfortable in what you do. And this is, I mean, this is your business, this is your journey. Um, so what is your secret to helping your clients stand out online? I think that's probably what you, Um, I'm not sure if you actually hit on that, but that was one of the questions that you had mentioned. So what would that be? One of the the secrets I feel like to standing out online is really wrapped up in showing up and sharing your story. So I kind of alluded to that a little bit when I was just um, sharing a minute ago, but the more we share story in our messaging, the easier it is for us to be able to relate and connect with each other. And oftentimes when we share stories, people are not going to have had the same experiences as we have had, but they'll be able to relate because they can see themselves in the journey. So um, like when I shared part of my story that I was a teen mom and I was working retail management 60 plus hours a week and I was overwhelmed and exhausted, not everybody who's listening right now was a teen mom. I know um, Jasmine and I were, but (laughs) not everybody is a teen mom, right? So you might not connect or resonate to that part. But a lot of the people that I work with um, and that I, I get to meet that I'm lucky enough to meet have had similar experiences. They see myself their selves in that story because they're like, yeah, that was me too. I might, they might not have been a teen parent or even have had kids. Sometimes um, my clients will say like, I don't even have kids, but I remember being overwhelmed and exhausted and I don't want that anymore. Like I need something different. And they, because they resonate with that piece, they feel like they have that connection built instantaneously with me. And that's what we're wanting, right? Like as we're trying to grow our, especially as entrepreneurs and we're putting ourselves out there in a virtual world on top of it, um, 
a lot, I, I've actually had my business hundred percent virtual for seven years, but most of us have just been doing this for the past like 19, 20 months, um, thanks to a pandemic. Like we've had to learn mm-hmm. to reinvent ourselves and to pivot and to start to build connections with people that we don't actually know in real life, people that we meet on zoom, or we meet in a networking meeting that's virtual, or we happen to um, meet each other on social media, different pl- platforms like that. And it's important that those stories connect back to each other so that people feel like they build like that instant friendship. And then when they're ready to buy, if they're looking for what you have to offer, you're an automatic um, person they can go to and say like, hey, I'm, I'm interested in what you're talking about. I'd like to learn more. And they already feel like they know you where if they are looking for, I don't know, um, I'll just go with my industry. Like if someone's looking for a business coach, If they already have seen me, they've met me, they've heard me talk on podcasts, they've heard me speak on stages, whether it's virtual or in person, Um, they've read my blog, they've seen a YouTube video, and then they're looking to hire a business coach. I've already built some of those connections in that friendship relationship, where Mm -hmm. if they meet somebody brand new, they haven't had a chance to get to know them. So that helps us, you know, decide who we want to work with. If we connect with somebody, it's easier for us to make that decision. If you have two um, two oranges and you know one of the oranges really well, which is a totally weird example I know that I'm using right now, but if they're this, like if they look the same, they, t- they everything's the same as far as like the systems, what they teach, what they talk about, and it's what you're looking for, you're going to go with the one that you built a friendship with. And I don't encourage you to build friendship with oranges, but (laughs) look at my example outside of that framework. (laughs) Um, Like when you know somebody though, that's who you're going to want to do business with where Mm -hmm. the other person might be great, but they haven't had a chance to get to know them yet. Yeah, for sure. Like this, you're creating a rapport with it. And and that's one of the things that I've been doing as one of my other jobs Uh, as a voiceover artist, I try to create a rapport, um, even though I didn't do any service with a person and it's like, you know, we're looking for um, another type of lead or or prospective voiceover artist, you know, um, are you interested in this? And I'm like, you know, I'm sorry, I don't have the, I'm not able to provide that particular type of accent. I think usually that's usually how it works. Like they want me to sound British or they want me to sound Australian, but they want to have someone who was a person of color with a with the Australian accent. And I'm like, yeah, well, um, it's not up my alley, but uh, thank you for the opportunity. And, you know, if you have someone who is looking for, uh, who has a, uh, an accent in the Latin American background, whatever, you know, it's creating rapport. Yeah. Um, and that's, like you said, I love oranges because I'm, be- I'm vegan. So oranges are my friend. Um. <laughs> <laughs> my analogy was not lost then. <laughs> No, it's not, it's definitely not lost in the translation. So, um, but yeah, it's um, even though they you never do business with them, you always want to create that type of rapport. Um, I've had I've been having that for a, a lot of instances because I'm fairly new to the voiceover industry. It's been interesting. So yeah, okay, but yeah, I guess that's exciting. Uh, yes, it is, and I just decided to pick up doing something I I enjoy doing. Uh, I love reading off the scripts. I love reading books, uh, audio books as long. And I think that one of the things that you completely, I completely agree is that if you're not a person who likes <laughs> video, stay away from it. And that's me. But, uh, um, but I do this because I, I have a passion to, to um, 
pretty much, like I said, my brand is to promote. So I have to do some things that I am not comfortable with, but in the end, I am, I feel satisfied because I've helped somebody. I feel like I've, that's my way of uh, feeling good about doing something good and paying it forward in a sense, because that's exactly what I'm doing. And everybody has their own little niche, like you said. Um, but can you share a few tips on how to craft a message and brand that highlights the value you bring to the world so dream clients want to work with you? And I think maybe you've kind of hit on that a little bit, but. I've hit, I've hit on it some, but as entrepreneurs, we're, we're building these amazing empires, right? Like we're passionate about the work that we're doing and we want to, you know, do good things for our community and give back and support um, our vision and our goals, but then also um, the community around us as well. And so I think with building a brand, some of the best tips I can share would be to show up as yourself, which I talked a little bit about already, but the more that we can be true and authentic and vulnerable, with our community, the easier it is for us to, to stand out and have people pay attention. If you are um, blending in with the sea of samesness of the online space, which can be really easy to do, um, it makes it hard for people to really get to know you and to connect. So I always encourage um, my clients to really figure out like, what is their message going to look like? What is the voice that they want to have as part of their brand? going to sound like and when we can show up and be authentic with ourselves and just show up as we are like I'm a normal human being I'm there's not like there's it's a, there's a lot of other business coaches out there that do what I do and what's unique and special about me and my superpower is that I'm going to show up true to who I am I'm going to stumble over my words I'm going to um I don't know. I just have, I have my own quirks, right? Like we have our own individual pieces of ourselves that are so vital when it comes to the online space. And the more that you let people see you for who you truly are, I always joke that if I meet you in person, which Jasmine, like, I hope one day we can meet in person. Like, I want the only thing to feel different. Like, I feel like if we sit down for coffee, we could have a great chat. And I want you to feel like you, this exactly the same as you feel like while you're, while you're talking to me on zoom, where we're able to connect instantly. The only difference might be like, you might go like, oh, you're taller or shorter than I thought you might be. But you fit, you to feel like whether you've met me um, on a podcast, if you see me speak on stage, if we were to get together for coffee, I want you to feel like you know the person that I am and that you know what my values are. You know how I'm showing up and how I'm speaking up and making, you know, I'm influencing other people to do the right things and um, show their selves and not hide behind who they think other people want them to be. That's what's really important. And I think, so as we're growing these brands and we're putting ourselves out there, like really pay attention to what your, your values are, what you're bringing to the world, what your messaging is going to look like, and then make sure that to grow a profitable online business, you really have to have an offer that connects to like what you're talking about and what you're um, trying to do in the world. There's, there's, mm -hmm. I, I meet with a lot of clients and sometimes like the messaging of what they're sharing there's like a disconnect between like what they're actually offering to the world. And when you can match up your message and your voice and um, your mission in life to, and have an offer that makes complete sense for that dream client of yours, it really helps like seed those um, breadsticks or not breadsticks, breadcrumbs um, so that when they're ready to buy, they know to come back to you and you have to show up consistently with your audience as well. Um, a lot of my clients 
have followed me for two or three years often before they raise their hand. They're like, all right, Darlene, I'm ready to work with you. Like I've done, I've followed your free content. I've watched your videos. I've followed your podcast. I've read your blogs. I see your newsletter every single um, week. I'm ready now. And if I would have gave up at a year point or the six month point, I would have never known that there was people that were ready to work with me and have been waiting So sometimes you'll notice that your clients say yes, like within the first two weeks, because you're exactly what they need and they've been searching that out. And then other times they're going to let you know when they're ready. And sometimes it's two weeks, two months, two years. Shoot. One of my clients recently that I worked with last year, I found out had been following me um, for six years before they reached out to say yes. And that, and that's one of the things that I think can be this, the most, the hardest as entrepreneurs is we try, we try a strategy. We do it two or three times. We go, okay, that didn't work for me. Let's switch that strategy. And they do something else two or three times. And they give up on that because they don't think it's going to work. Give yourself a solid, like 90 days to six months with any marketing strategy and continue to hundred percent show up to it for that six months. And then you'll know if it's working or if it's not working. Cause oftentimes we, we give up on ourselves so easily you know, it's, we go to that networking event three times and it's that fourth time that we would have met the right person that would have introduced us to like a slew of clients. Or we, you know, we put ourselves out on podcasts and we go, okay, it didn't work. Like I did five podcasts and I didn't get any clients from it. So I guess I'm not good at podcasts. I better give up. Mm-hmm. No, that's not the case. You just haven't gotten in front of the right audience yet. Like keep putting yourself out there, keep working on your story and how, what you share and make sure you talk about the fact that you work with clients. That's one of the things that um, is sometimes hard to come across is like, we want to tell people who we are, what we do. We also need to share stories of people that we work with or mention like, Hey, I work with my clients in this way, because sometimes people just don't connect the dots. Like, Oh, I could hire you. Let me hire you because I see because of what you just shared exactly how you could support me. That is very, very rich in, in resourceful information. Thank you so much for that. Uh, I know the listeners are like, oh my gosh, I, <laughs> if only I had some place to write all this information down, but I know that you are uh, a wonderful person to, to actually follow. And I am so thankful to have you here as a guest because um, I know a lot of listeners are struggling with that and you'll be an awesome person to, to follow for two minutes, two weeks, two years, you know, like you said, uh, and I'm definitely going to be sharing your information, your website momentarily, but I, I been struggling with a, a lot of things in my life when it comes to trying to start a business. Um, my little secret uh, business that I've been trying to trying to, to get going, and I've been thinking about it for like two or three years, is being a online pet bakery, pet treats, but vegan. So I've had problems with um, struggling with the idea of how do I connect with the customers? You know, how do I how do I keep their attention? And there's a lot of people who are just so standoffish when it comes to vegan this and vegan that. And one of the things that I actually was kind of shot down on, um, I asked a question specifically saying, who would be interested in having um, a vegan pet pet bakery open up in your area demographically? And some guy just said right off the bat, this is insane. Why would you believe that an animal should even consume vegan, um, vegan items? And I'm and I said, this, these are treats. These are not actual 
the food, like like daily food. These are treats for training purpose, behavior, or whatever the case may be. And he literally shot it down saying, no one's not gonna buy that. Are you are you insane? No animals are carnivores, they're not vegan. And I said, Well, if you ever looked in the back of a dog, dog food, you know, I don't want to be rude about it, but I was like, if you ever look in the back of a dog food, one of the top five ingredients is, is grain or corn or berry, you know, some type of vegetable, carrots, whichever, potatoes. So yes, um, animals actually are omnivores. They're not carnivores. They have the same type of structure in their mouth where they do the grinding and the tearing like our mouths are. We're omnivores as well. Yeah. Um, so that, I'm just sorry, down the rabbit hole I go. So <laughs> I just want to I just want to kind of throw that out there because that's one of the things that I've struggled with in, in trying to connect with customers. Like, how do you sell that? How do you keep their attention? And I've always been passionate about my vegan, my vegan background. I've been vegan literally half of my life, like 22 years. So, um, to have somebody tell me, oh, that can never happen. And I just like, no, it, it, it has to happen. So I'm glad to have met you because now I'm like, I have a spark of inspiration. Just, I, and I, lo- I love that you share that story because that happens, that happens often, more often than we care to admit as entrepreneurs, like how many people are sitting at home right now and they have this vision and they have this goal and this desire to start something for their self. And especially right now, like more and more people that I'm talking to are telling, talking about like the great resonation and people are leave, like leaving the workforce. And um, I don't know what the right word is like in, in droves, like they're looking for something more and they got a taste of what it might look like to have a little bit of their life back, to not have to, you know, drive and commute for two hours a day or to be in an office nonstop. And they could, you know, run their career from their computer at home in their living room or from the couch and they could get be productive get the work that they need to get done done as well as you know exercise go for a walk binge watch tv like do all the things that they want to do and that's why people are striving for that entrepreneur piece and so there's so many people that say things like that gentleman said to you i don't know that he's a gentleman mm-hmm. a different word for him but like, who is he to tell you that your dream isn't going to work? Like mm-hmm. sometimes, yes, we have ideas and we have dreams and sometimes they're, they're, it's hard to get people to pay for it. Right. But if you have a dream and a desire and the, and you go out there and you do market research and you find that there is people out there that want to feed their dog vegan treats because they know the health benefits, that's for you to go out and research and find your clients, not for somebody else to come in and tell you that, you know, you're um, dreaming too big or that your idea is not good enough, or why would somebody else want that? Because so many people have their, their dreams stomped before they even have a chance to start doing the research to see what's actually out there, because it's either family or friends, people that are supposed to love and trust that they already know, and are supposed to love them that oftentimes are the ones that tell them like, you can't do that. Like you can't leave your, your cushy nine to five to start a business. You can't. And then, so it puts so much doubt into our minds. And I honestly think that we need more people like us who are putting ourselves out there and doing what we actually want to do and creating those lives. And it's not easy. Growing a business is never easy. I wish it was easy. There would be way more of us out there doing it right. And that's, I hope what's going to happen through this pandemic is more people are going to realize they have a passion and that they 
just need to get the right support so they can figure out what, what the next steps are so they can actually make their dreams happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll just throw in another last tidbit. I'm just going to say as, as a final ending for this conversation in regards to my, my dream uh, goal is to, uh, this gentleman, yes, it was a gentleman. Uh, it was through Facebook. And when I decided to do Twitter, my Twitter blew up. People were retweeting my my on my um, tag name to other vegans, to other people who are pet lovers, to other people who are advocates for animals, to people who are environmental advocates. And all the whole spiel went crazy. They started retweeting my welcome, you know, thank you for following me yeah. my name is so and so so i i i'm hard-headed it kind of put put a little damper on my idea but i was like screw that that was just one guy out of like 20 other people like oh my god yeah let us know when you officially started up you know i'll be the first one in line so i already i'm so there's a, always a be determined to um continue your dream yeah. you know um so yeah, and I, I think I need to do more marketing on it, but I'm not very familiar with it. But anyways, I'll close that. I'll close that section there, because um, I know we were talking about a lot of this uh, since the 18, 19 months that we have been going through our transitions um, by choice or not by choice, especially with um, the whole, like you said, a whole ordeal about the great resignation situation, and amongst the stress that we have in our homes. Um, or financial situations, you know, uh, where do you go um, when you need to reset? I mean, because I, I think a lot of people are like, there's nowhere to go. I mean, <laughs> if we're especially if we're working from home, where, yeah. where does that take place? In, in, and how do you reset when you have a situation like that? Resetting is so important. And I, I know that about myself, especially for me, that I've had to find spaces in my home over the past few months to where I could just have a little time to myself. My, I've homeschooled my three youngest during the pandemic and there hasn't been, there's nowhere to hide, right? Like when you're home <laughs> with your kids and like my husband's home and he, he actually did work outside the house during the pandemic. But um, for me, it's been taking a hot bath, like locking myself in the bathroom, having a hot <laughs> bath, reading a book, um, lighting a candle, having a glass of wine sometimes with the bath. Um, and that's definitely what I've done during the pandemic. And then also getting out for walks, like just taking the dog and going for a walk and listening to a podcast or sometimes just going and be, being in silence, you know, just looking around and, you know, having the fresh air and smelling the grass and the flowers and like just taking all those things in and letting myself just kind of get still again has been really um, powerful. And then when I can go and I don't, um, we do sometimes get to the beach, but we're about like an hour away from the beach. And if I can go to the beach and just put my toes in the sand and smell, um, the ocean air and feel the water on my toes, um, hear the seagulls above me. Like there's just something about my soul that I think really connects to water. So mm -hmm. <laughs> like I'm like bathtub beach, we put a pool in. Um, so sometimes just going in the hot tub has been great, but I think one of the ways for myself, I know to recharge is really just to find some way to connect with nature and with water. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It is, it's provides you, it balances you out. It, I, I was told that I was supposed to be near nature, like put your, put your feet in the, in the grass to ground you. So say, yeah. 
Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and my sign is, uh, my sign is cancer because I was born in July. And so that's a water sign. So I think, I think some oh. that zodiatic, I don't know if that's the right word, um, piece comes into it too. Like that's just always been something that like anytime I can be around water and especially in nature that just like, it, it does something to my soul and it lets me like reconnect with who I am. Mm-hmm. Very true. Very true. Kind of like a closing questions. Um, if you could write a letter to your teenage self, what would you say? Mm, such a great question. I was just actually having a discussion recently about um, connecting with your inner child again. Um, I think if I could write a letter to my younger self, it would be don't try to conform to what everybody else wants you to do or what you think they want you to do. Like really give yourself permission to feel into it, listen to your gut, um, figure out who you want to be and what you want to do. And don't worry on how it's going to impact other people, because if it's truly going to light you up and it's what you want, that's really what's going to get you where you want to go in life. I wish I would have learned that lesson sooner. I definitely learned it probably late twenties before I realized how much I was paying attention to what other people wanted for me and what I thought I should be doing versus what I actually wanted to do. And when I, when that, when I was able to have that switch, um, it really just helped me show up more as myself. And I was a lot more happier because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, I didn't find out till my mid to late thirties. So, and I'm still working on it. So we're all work in progress. Yeah, we are, for sure. Yeah. There's definitely times where I can go back to where I'm like, like I'm a people pleaser by nature. Right. Mm-hmm. So I could definitely, I have to watch myself. I have to make sure I say no to things that don't support my goals and my dreams and my visions, because, um, I very often would say yes to everybody else and put myself last. And I recently heard a question. Um, if you're saying yes to this, what are you saying no to? And I forget what book I was reading where I saw that, but that hit me like, like a gut punch. I was like, Oh, I forgot about that. I was like, yes, when I say yes to other people, I'm saying no to something that I'm trying to reach, something I'm trying to do. And so sometimes it's, yeah, I'm going to say yes for certain situations. And if it, as long as it's in alignment with where I'm going or if I have the capacity, but there's certain things that I have to say no to so that I can further my mission and give back to my community and help, you know, other people do what the work that they're here on this earth to do. Wow. Yes. That is deep thinking and understanding that that those simple words mean so much. Like if you're saying yes to something or what do you really say no to? Now, I guess in, in my last question is what is the single most important talent you would like your sons and daughter to have? That's such a great question because all four of my kids have such different personalities and like different strengths and areas that they shine in. But I think I think for them, I just want them to know that they're in a position where they can live the life that they want. They can go after the dreams that they have built for themselves. I love the fact, I think one of the things that I'm proud of is that I'm giving them a chance to step out of like the normal careers or think like they can think differently about the work that they're going to do in the world. And I think just having them know that they get to make choices in their life and that they can it's their responsibility to do amazing things while they're here. Like we're all gifted this amazing life and they can do with it, whatever they want to. 
and I'm going to support whatever their dreams are, whether they want to go um, off to college or if they want to um, do something different and start their own business and like leave, leave their own legacy. Like that's, I think what matters the most. I just, I want them to know that they can do what they want in whatever way feels amazing to them and they don't have to conform to what anybody else wants them to do. Even me, right? Like sometimes Mm -hmm. as mom, like I definitely (laughs) have my moments where I'll be like, no, I don't know if you should do that. And then I think about it afterwards and I'm like, oh yeah, like they're their own person. They get to make these choices and they're going to fail just like I did. They're not going to make the right choices every single time, but I know that I've given them the, the words and the resources to stand up for themselves, to help others stand up. And um, they're all so great at making sure that they're taking care of their friends and the people around them that like they can't fail in life because of that. Like they, I've given them everything I feel like I can give them and they have to be able to, to learn from there what's going to work for them and how they want to show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, we always, as mothers, we always expect the best uh, um, from our children. And yeah. I mean, just the simple things in life that we want in them just have the proper tools to just be good humans and to love themselves and to love others and to, yeah, so that's just, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And we also talked about just briefly about you having your own podcast. Yeah. So I'm the host of a podcast called Attract and Stand Out, where I interview entrepreneurs that are sometimes coaches, consultants, thought leaders, experts that are um, primarily more in the service-based entrepreneur space. Um, And I give them a platform to really share their story and um, share how they came on the path that they're on and how they're on this journey to create a business and life that they love. So if you are interested in hearing other people's stories of how they started their business to get some ideas for what's worked for them, what's not worked, um, the podcast has a lot of great episodes for that. And if you're also looking to connect just to learn how you can grow a um, profitable online business, um, you can head over to darlingholly.com. And on my homepage, there's a free gift there for you that gives you six steps to creating a profitable online business. And I give you um, very small, simple, actionable steps that you can implement immediately in your business today to start getting more results. And um, if you're interested in chatting and learning a little bit more, I'm happy to hop on a call with you and just dive in and see what you're up to. And if we're in alignment, I would love to work with you and help you grow your business. Thank you so much. This is wonderful. Oh, it's been an honor. This has been so fulfilling. Um, and I just greatly appreciate that you were able to take your time of your day to be my guest on the podcast, Darlene. It's been well, an honor. Thank you, Jasmine, so much for having me. It's been so fun chatting with you and um, connecting. And I look forward to more of that in the future. Have take a good care. You Bye, too. Jasmine. Bye. Thank you for listening to Noise Blue Zion podcast. And if you enjoy listening to my podcast, please don't hesitate to give me a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. Also wanted to give a shout out and thank you so much to all my guests, past, present, and future. And stay tuned for the next upcoming episode on Fridays.